All right. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you to our band. Pretty incredible, the work that they're doing. Thank you, sir. We are in a new series. I'm going to get to that in a moment. I want to tell you about something happening in our church. Well, it's in about five weeks or so. Maybe you're aware of it. Easter? I think probably you've heard of that, and it is a big weekend in our church. Uh, for many of you, you've been around New Walk enough to know what we do with the eggs and drop them out of the helicopter, and, and so we, this is the time where we collect eggs, and we ask you to bring them in. Maybe you're a small group, you bring them in. Maybe you are just in, bring them individually. What we, in essence, ask you to do is you know, pick up a bag when you're out shopping of the plastic eggs and then, not the, not the real ones, please, the plastic eggs. And then if you can grab a bag of candy, not the melting kind, but something that would last in the sun that could go in one of those eggs. And if you bring them in, you know, throughout the next several weeks, it helps us kind of collect so that we can bless the kids, you know, in a kind of fun experience. Uh, if you have the ability to put the candy in the egg, and tape it. Remember, we tape them because they come out of the helicopter. Uh, if you have the ability to do that for us, it would be great as well. If you don't, though, it's okay. You can bring the eggs, bring the candy, and we'll do the stuffing of the eggs. Remember this, though. If you're new to our church, uh, you know, we always hear, why does eggs got to do anything with Jesus? Well, it doesn't, but what it does for us at New Walk is uh, we invite people in, and we let them, uh, we, uh, we ask them to, and they will, they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ first before they go out and play it outside. So everything we do at our church, it's all centered around the gospel, and uh, I'm okay with a helicopter egg drop if hundreds of people say yes to Jesus Christ, and that's what we do here at Newark. So if you have the ability to help us out with that, please, please do that. All right, our series is called Influencer. How many of you... In the so you understand what I, when I say a social media influencer, how many of you understand what that is? Go ahead. All right, not everybody, but many of you do. It's in essence somebody who has enough clout online that is capable of influencing an audience to purchase things, follow things, uh, trend in a certain way. It can kind of shift and move culture, decision buying uh, online. They have that type of influence, and so when they speak, when they share, people listen, they pay attention, and are often evangelized to in order to 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 make a movement, a shift, maybe especially in what they're spending or, or the activities that they're involved in. That's, what, that's what's happening right now in our culture, social media influencers. I'm here, of course, in our time together to talk to you about what it means to be an influencer uh, of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the great news is everybody here who uh, calls themselves a believer in Jesus, you are also meant to be an influencer. And God has given us the skills, the abilities, the resources for every one of us us to be a significant influencer. Obviously, if you don't do anything with it, you won't influence anybody. So I just want to help us in our series see how we can be better influencers. Uh, maybe you're here and you'd like to influence your family. Maybe you'd like to influence uh, your business. Maybe you'd like to influence your neighborhood, your community, your school. I'm going to give you some resources how you can kind of begin that. In fact, today, I'm going to give you four very powerful parts of Noah's life. You've heard of Noah. Maybe, you've, maybe you're new to the faith and you're like, I've never even looked in the Bible. But you've heard of Noah and the ark. I know many of you do know this story pretty well, but we're going to look at four things that I believe Noah did and did, did well that I think are going to be very much needing to be a part of your, your life if you're going to be an influencer to people around you. Uh, Noah, 
his situation is, is he, he's going to embrace some things that allow him to be a difference maker, and we're just going to kind of put them into practice here in 2023. So I put in your notes, if you're following along, uh, we can do this together. I put in your notes, the life of a great influencer on culture, and, and so I know everybody's going to take notes. You're going to write these down because you want to be an influencer, and in case you're not aware, I was just doing some research just the other day, and I found out that 99% of people who fill out their message notes go to heaven. Yeah. So now you're definitely, no, that's not true. That's not true. But I hope you'll take notes. Because look, we put these together so that you can take them back, study them, uh, get in the, read the scriptures, you know, study uh, these things, put them them on the refrigerator in your car so you can kind of review these during the week. Here's the first thing. Influencers dare to be different. Influencers dare to be different. You know, we're looking at Noah's life, and influencers dare to be different. Genesis 6, 5, when God saw the extent of human wickedness and that the trend and directions of men's lives were only toward evil, let me stop right there. You can leave that up on the screen. Let's stop right there. The trend of humanity was going in this direction, this direction. What we're going to see here as we get, continue this on is that Noah was going a different direction. Here, here's what it says. It says that God was sorry. That he made humanity. He's like, this is a mess. And it broke his heart. But here's the story of Noah. Ready? Noah was a pleasure to the Lord. While everybody else was going this way, Noah says, I'm going this way. While the rest of the world says, you know what, we're going to go down the broad road. We're going to march to the beat of this drum. Noah says, I- I'm not going that way. How do you and I become influencers of the message of Jesus Christ? We're different. We're not looking like we're rolling with the rest of the world, the unbelieving world. We don't march to that drum. We stand out in our culture because we live differently. And what God is doing with Noah is saying, that's a person I can use to make a difference in humanity because they have decided to live different than the rest of the crowd, sadly. In the Christian world, in America today especially, many people call themselves Christians but yet the way they live is just like the unbeliever. And they don't stand out. And they don't dare to be different. Now, in the text, God, in this moment in history, he's looking at humanity and he's like, you know, I want people to live this way and nobody seems to want to live this way. And so he's just like, forget it, you know, let's start over because this is, this is really, really rough. And, and yet, here's this thing, it's, but Noah Two important words, but Noah lived, he lived different. He dared to be different. Well, everybody's going one direction, but Noah wants to go the other way. And so our first point is, are you willing really to dare to be different in a culture that seems to all be going going the same way? You want to be a difference maker in your family? It's going to start with you living different. You want to be a difference maker at your work environment? It starts with you being different. You want to make a difference in our country, in our in this nation that we live in? It starts with you being different. It's not about what other people are doing. It's about you standing up. And what God is revealing to us is those who stand up that way, he says, now that's somebody who can be an influencer. And throughout history, people, anybody who's done something great typically has gone against the grain. 
you know, there was a time where explorers all believe, scientists believe the world was flat, right? Even though the Bible said it was a sphere, uh, it, it, it's flat. And so then the great explorers went to see, you know what, it, it's, not, it's not. And they and they pushed against the common trend, right? When you think about Abraham Lincoln, when everybody thought slavery is okay, Abraham Lincoln says, no, 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 no. We're gonna go a different direction here. And it was messy and it was difficult, but we're gonna go that way. The Wright brothers, when they said, hey, we think we can put a machine that's way, so much heavier than air that we can put it in the air and do something with it, they decided to do it when people were mocking them. The great Christian people, the great believers, and, and people like, like Gandhi and, and Joan of Arc and Billy Graham and all these people, they decided, you know what? Everybody's going one way, I'm going a different way. Way The great influences, influencers always say, okay, I want to live different than the world is, is living. Let's get personal about this. What do you want to see different in your home? What do you want to see different around you? Are you willing to pay the price and the cost of being different? And make no mistake about it, why is it so few Christians want to be different? It's because there's a cost. It's not easy to be different. When you think about Noah, there was a cost for him. Uh, you understand that he faced ridicule, right? Or God comes to him and says, like, okay, there's going to be a flood, so here's the thing. I need you to go ahead and build a boat. And so he starts building the boat. And he's doing this thing for a long time. And you could imagine kind of what's going on. Like this guy has decided, in essence, to build the Titanic in his front yard. Now, uh, people are, this guy's nuts. They're going to ridicule. They're going to tell it, call him, he's a basket case. You know what? He thinks God is talking to him. He's out there building a giant ship on the front lawn. If there was ever a need for a healthy homeowners association, it's right here. Like there's a red flag going on, and yet he keeps going. His own family ridicules him. Can you imagine what Noah's kids are thinking? Like, Dad, can't you just have a normal job? Like all the other kids' dads do. I mean, here you are doing this crazy thing, building this, this boat. Imagine the difficulty, and this is why it's hard. And you would say, anyway, some of it's hard to stand up in our culture today because what will people say if I stand up and live, live for God? You will be, people will say things about you, and they will ridicule you, and they will come against you, but. What God is looking for is people that can withstand all of that. I love the translation of Romans 12 too here that I want to give you. I think it says very perfectly where we need to be. Don't copy the behavior and patterns, customs of this world. Look, be a new and different person with fresh newness in all that you do and think. Starts with your thinking. Then you'll learn how God's ways really satisfy. You want to know satisfaction to life? It's when you decide to start living uh, different, living for the things of God than the rest of the world. The rest of the world can't find satisfaction. But when you start following God, you find satisfaction. You're living different. But again, though there's this blessing that comes for those who are willing to follow God and live differently, again, because the ridicule is out there, we kind of struggle with that. And don't make any mistake here Everything that's moving you and I in culture today is to all just kind of uh, live the same. Let's all buy the same clothes. 
let's all drive the cars that we think will impress. Let's all get all the things that we, and let's all just try to fit in and let's all compromise so that people will like us and, and let's go with the crowd and go with the flow so that people will accept me and culture's pushing on all of humanity. Do this so that people will like you, that you'll feel accepted so that you can conform. Conformity though is not a part of what God calls the Christians to live. It's not what we're commanded to do. In fact, we are commanded, we are told to live different in a messy world. Conformity is not anything that we embrace in Christianity. We are, again, called to step out, live differently. There's a great myth in America today, and let me share it with you, that the majority is always right. Can I tell you, most times the majority is not always right? If everybody's doing it, it must be okay. No, the majority is oftentimes wrong, and we can look at cases where this happens over and over again, but if you're gonna make something of your life, if you're gonna make an impact, if you're gonna be a difference maker, if you want your life to count for the kingdom, be an influencer, we've got to be different. Next thing in your notes. Great influencers for the gospel, look, they develop an eternal perspective. They live in a way where they keep eternity in mind in everything that they're doing. Decisions, choices, everyday life. Do you live as a Christian in your choices and decisions every day thinking about eternity and the bigger, the bigger picture? When, when we make decisions based on the everyday, based on the, the things of the world, the, the rest of the world sees that that we're caught up in the things of the world. Yet God tells the believer, hey, look and think in some way that you're thinking about eternity constantly. Let's, look, let's go back to, to Noah here, Genesis 6, 9. Noah was the only truly righteous man living on the earth at that time. How sad is that? He tried to always conduct his affairs. How did he do it? According to God's will. He, he's simply saying like, okay, uh, my choices are always going to be with the things of God in mind. This simplifies your life, whether you understand it or not. What do we know about popular opinion and the world today? It shifts, it changes, and one day people like you, and then the rules change, and you gotta do this, and you gotta do this, and you gotta make decisions based every day on what the world tells you to do. But then this lens of God comes over you, and all of a sudden now you're making decisions. It's not bound to the chaos of this world, but it's consistent and true with God's will for your life. This simplicity is what Noah understood. What does it mean to have an eternal perspective? It means that I look at life and I find satisfaction and peace of mind because I'm now following the desires of God. It means that I understand when I live on this earth, it's just for a short time, really. I mean, it could be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. It's, we're here for a little while and that's nice that we're here for a little while, but in the grand scheme of eternity, like this is, we're basically only gonna get through pre-K. That's it. There's so much more left for us in eternity, in other words. That, that's how God measures this. And so we're getting ready for eternity. We're in a prelude to eternity. God is preparing us for the bigger thing that is to come. When you realize that there's more to life than just kind of what happens today, that's when you put on an eternal perspective. It's not about the momentary things that are happening right now. There's something bigger going on. Eternal perspective helps us see that there are consequences for every day 
actions and decisions. And so I need to know with eternity in mind that everything I'm doing has an eternal consequence potentially. We're talking about a radical way of thinking. It's not reserved for pastors, folks. I know some of you would say, well, it's easy for him to say be an influencer. They gave him a stage and lights. No, this is all of us, folks, that call ourselves believers. This is new perspective, Hebrews 13, 14. For the world, look, where we're at right now, it's not our home. We're looking, we're looking which direction? Forward to everlasting home in heaven. How do you get this kind of perspective? You become a believer and you start sinking into God. God, re reveal to me more and more of the things that matter the most, the, the things that are truly most important in life. Let me see eternity. Let me look beyond today. You get past this perspective in our culture today that says get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can. The one with the most toys at the end of their life is the one who wins. You push past all that noise, all that chaos, and you say, no, there is something more. You understand when you have an eternal perspective, you could look at a room like this and realize like I see, all right, the things that I see are here in front of me, but all these things in front of me right now in a thousand years, it's, it's all going to be dust. Everything here in this room, it, it's going to, through erosion and all the things that take place, eventually one day, everything here turns to dust, right? There's nothing you're taking with you out of, this, out of this life other than your salvation and hopefully your ability to influence others to come to know Jesus Christ. Outside of that, your possessions, the things, the material things, we're not taking any of it with us. And so we have this new perspective. And I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8. It frames it for us. It says this, we set our eyes not on what we see, but we start focusing on what we cannot see. Because what we see will only last a short time. But what we cannot see will last forever. So there, there's two things going on, two, two kind of realities. Humanity puts their eyes constantly on all the scene. Seeing, they're focused on what's the things that are in front of them right then and there. What God is revealing to us is that if you'll push past that and focus your life on the unseen, that's where it's most important. The unseen are where the great values of life are. The unseen is where the goodness of God is. Right now, you look when you look around this room, we can see these things, but you can't see God. You can see his works, don't get me wrong. You can see the things that he's doing, but you can't see. Jesus is not here today. Like He's gone, he's risen in heaven. We have the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can't see him physically, but the revealing in the scripture and what God shows us is to push past that, but focus on that unseen, and yet we spend all of our life, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, always focusing so much on the scene. We get past the scene, and we realize it is in the unseen that lasts more. You know what? We, we could say in this environment, which is more real? The thing that's going to be turning to dust that we can see right now, it's going to turn to dust in a thousand years, or the unseen that lasts forever. Getting that into mind and making that switch, this is what God is revealing through this life of Noah. When you capture this, 
You're not blown away by the headlines every day that can be so depressing when you see the news. You, you realize that's just the seen world, but I'm not, my emotions, my mood's not gonna get caught up every day in the brokenness and the headlines that are out there. My mood's dependent on what God's word says about me. My mood's dependent on my ultimate destiny in my life. My mood's dependent on where I'm going. My mood's dependent on the things that I'm involved in, of course, for the things of God, but I wanna make sure that I'm not focused on the day-to-day because the world sees when the Christians are caught up in all the chaos and we're not living differently. Culture moves us one way. We go a different way and we live with an eternal perspective. Here's the third thing. Great influencers depend on God. They live a life that depends on God. It's faith. And people see it. They see that you live a life by faith. They pay attention This is key for Noah, Genesis 6, 22. Noah did some of the things that God commanded him. No, let's look at it again. Noah did what? Is it up there? There it is. Noah did what? Everything. He did everything. What if God came to you and said, build an ark? I, I, that'd be a struggle for me. Uh, first thing I might say is, well, uh, I'm not a shipbuilder, so you found the wrong guy. <laughs> and, and that would, you know, I, I think that probably makes sense to, to most of us. Noah says, okay, God, whatever you need, I'm ready to go. Don't you think if God came to you and said, I need you uh, to build an ark that you'd have some questions, especially during that time. I mean, let's remember, first question you'd probably ask and, and as part of the excuses and part of the pushback on God, you'd say, well, first of all, you're saying it's going to rain and it hasn't rained ever on the planet. Uh, during that time, it was it's believed that certain thing of, of the way God did with some sort of moisture and condensation that we were able to have vegetation. In fact, uh, many scientists believe that after the flood took place, it changed the conditions atmospherically, and it is actually what caused people to live shorter lives, that, the lives that we have today, than, than, than during those, those times that there were, there were changes. But at the end of the day, I'd be saying, okay, you're telling me it's going to rain, and I, I, we've never seen rain. And oh, by the way, you're going to ask me to build a boat. There's not a there isn't an ocean, but it's 500 miles. It's 500 miles away. God, this doesn't make any sense. And then the next question has got to be about the animals. How's all that going to happen? I remember thinking for years that Noah probably fished a lot on that boat. But then I realized he couldn't because he only had two worms. Yeah. I found out recently they had lights on the ark, I don't know if you're aware of what kind of lights they had on the ark. They were floodlights. <laughs> okay. All right, those are bad. I won't do, uh, we'll move on. Noah says, God, whatever it is you want me to do, let's, let's go. I want to make a difference. You're going to tell me to do something. I'm ready to step up. And of course, we remember that God's not going to ask you to do something that he can't equip you to do, prepare you to do, give you the strength and resources to do. Noah understands that. Philippians 2.13 says, for God is at work within you, helping you want to obey him, helping you to do what he wants. God asks you to do it. He'll give you the ability, the strength, the courage to do it. 
He's going to ask you to be obedient, and, and you're going to trust him. God, I'm, I'm ready to respond. One of the things I've been so proud of as a pastor over the 16 plus years here at this church has been to watch just regular folks take extraordinary steps towards God. I have been blessed in all my years to see that over and over again. It's one of the great rewards of being a shepherd pastor. It's been incredible. But of course, one of the things I struggle with is knowing how many people don't take faith steps. They call themselves Christians. They just don't. And and maybe something in this series is gonna prompt you that it's time to, to take a step for God. I even hear some people who've been Christians a long time and they like to run around and brag and talk about some sort of faith step they had 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years. Don't get me wrong, that's important. It's a part of your story. But so many are resting on that past obedience and they've stopped taking daily obedience steps. They won't tell you, let me tell you about what happened 20 years ago. What about now? Stop resting on past revelation, past obedience. Some of you, it's been a long time since you took a big faith step for God or start living in faith kind of ways in your life. Sometimes we gotta see it's time to get kind of moving, kind of a new, fresh movement. I hope that'll happen for some of you in this series. I'm reminded of the time Jesus has ascended into heaven in Acts chapter one. He goes up into the clouds and the Bible says that they're kind of standing there gazing. These two angels appear and say, why do you stand there gazing? I think there's a lot of Christians right now that are standing around gazing. Oh, it's time to go. We got to go and preach and teach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't got time in our country to sit around gazing, calling ourselves Christians, but talking about things 15 or 20 years ago. It's now that we have to say, I got to get off the bench here. Stop gazing. I challenge you in our time together through this series. Stop gazing. What are you gazing at? Get involved. Make a difference. Respond to what God is calling you out to you. For some of you, it has been to be more of a leader, teacher in the church, like through our groups. For some of you, it's just to start serving and shining for Jesus. For some of you, it's, it's God's calling you out to maybe take an even bigger step of some sort of a movement that's going to cause you to, to make a radical change in the way that you're living. Whatever it is, take that faith, that faith step, this characteristic says, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to respond even when I don't understand how it's all going to work out. Maybe God's revealing to you, hey, you know, you, you need, there's a career change that I'm calling you out towards. It's very God revealing and you don't know how the education and how all of it's gonna happen, but you step out and you trust him. Maybe when you consider something like, like tithing and you look at all your bills and you go, I don't even get this. Like this doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's forgiving somebody. God's been calling you out to forgive and forgive and you, you just refuse to do it and it's gonna take some faith to trust that God will refresh your soul if you will go through the process of becoming somebody who's a forgiving person. Well, get Pastor Gary, what if I don't have the energy? What if I don't have the time? What if I don't have the resources? What if, it, what if I'm confused about it? Here's what it says in 2 Thessalonians 1.11. This is why we always pray for you. Asking our God to help you live the kind of life that he's called you to live. In other words, God's called you to live a certain way 
And if he has, he is going to provide. Provide the life that he's called you to live. He's going to give you power. We pray God's power will help you do this, do the things that you want to do. What do we do when we need help for the process and help to go through the journey? We turn to God and pray. And he promises, promises us to give us the strength and the things that we need. Here's the fourth characteristic in Noah's journey. Pay attention now. Influencers, great influencers don't become discouraged. They don't get so discouraged. I mean, there's tough times, don't get me wrong, but in other words, so discouraged that we quit and we give up. It's hard to live for God because it can be exhausting. There's taunting along the way. Not to mention the fact that usually when God calls you to do something, there's a time delay before we see it come to fruition, you know, before the dream becomes a reality. And having to wait and go through the things that we have to go through in order for there to be kind of a response from God to the situation fully the way that we dreamed would happen, it takes time. And so here's what I wrote in my notes. The people God is using, they're ordinary people doing extraordinary things, but it's not by talent, it's by determination. That is the one factor over and over again, determination we see in the scriptures, we see in the lives of great influencers, they are determined. And if anybody had the right to be discouraged, I mean, it was, it was Noah. In a culture where everybody's perverted, no one really supports what it is that he's doing, he doesn't even have a church family to give him strength like you do. He didn't have any friends to move him along and say, keep going. He's probably very lonely. He's fatigued. He's given what seems to be an impossible assignment to do, ridicule all along the way, yet he's determined. Just keeps on moving. Why is he able to do that? Great heroes of faith, scriptures, says this in Hebrews 11:7. Here's the thing about Noah. Noah, we'll put it up on the screen. Give him a second. Noah, what's that next word? Trusted. He trusted God. When he heard God's warning about the future, Noah believed him. He believed him. And even though there was no sign of a flood, he just kept on believing. But wasting no time, he built the ark. He saved his family. Noah's belief in God was the direct contrast to the belief of the rest of the world. Because of his faith, he became one of those whom God accepted. He, we're here today because of Noah. He didn't become discouraged. Some of you want changes in your family and you've been wanting it for a long time. And if you've been living different, like you've actually been living this out, not just talking, but living it out, you will make a difference if you will de be determined to, to not be distressed over the situation and not be discouraged. If you keep moving forward. You want to see a change in your life. You stay determined, making a difference over time. You will, you will see that God will carry you through to the very end. God says to you, keep going, keep moving. Hey, Noah, where, where's the flood? <laughs> You're an idiot. Our culture is screaming that at us today. Where's your God? Where's Jesus? Do you think you could keep this kind of enthusiasm that Noah had day after day after day? Folks, this is 120 years. <laughs> you come home and 
And your wife's got to be saying things like, hey, baby, what'd you do today? Well, we, we worked on the boat. And that was yesterday and the day before and the day before. It's the same thing. And maybe something changes and you're like, yeah, we, we, we got two beetles arrived today. You know, and, and, and yet he just keeps moving. In your world that you live in today, would you agree that there's a lot of things that we could be discouraged about? There's a lot of it. Honestly, when I read things and I look at our culture and things that are going on, the current state of our society, crime rate, anger, divisions, racism, the deficit breakdown of, of families, morality, civility at an all-time low, it'd be very easy to get discouraged. And so many times I see as Christians, we kind of get a little beat down and we feel like we want to give up. And so we just kind of exit the process. There's going to be times where it's a struggle. And heck, our Savior, he modeled full-on distress. He went to the cross. He died on the cross and encountered distress. He was buried. He was put down in the grave. He was put in the grave. They put the stones over to the grave. And, and yet, our Savior resurrected. And the same resurrection power that Jesus Christ has, he offers to you in your journey of your life. He offers that power to strengthen you. Are there times where you're gonna feel like you're beaten and put on the cross? Yes, and, and Jesus never said that wouldn't happen. There, there's going to be times where it feels like you've been beaten up and people are, are castigating you for the way that you live and the, and the, the journey that you're on. Uh, Jesus did not promise that you wouldn't be buried at times in your life. Jesus did not promise that there wouldn't feel like some stones that was put in front of you to keep you from moving forward. But Jesus Christ models for you and I that though it feels like we're being beaten down, we can rise up. Though there are times it feels like we're in the grave, he can pull us out. When it feels like there's giant stones in front of the way that we're going in life, those stones can be moved. He models that for you and I, that though there is distressed, he can bring us out. You're in a dark place right now, he can pull you out. There are some money issues in your life, through determination, he will pull you out. There's relationship struggles in your life, he can pull you out. You've got an addiction in your life going on, determination, don't get discouraged, you can come out. I remember when the kids were growing up, we'd always play little football games in the yard. Our friends across the street, they, they had this yard and, and it was bigger for football. And so we would play and the kids would be there. And we'd, you know, always have these games going on in the afternoon. And, and, and I loved those games because, you know, I, I was, I, I'd be honest, like I was really good against six-year-olds. Like I was um, <laughs> top level. And always won, so, no, but I, inevitably, inevitably, when the play went bad, when it felt like a team was losing, somebody quit. I'm done. And I'm taking my ball and going home. Like, all the time. They're so mad, they start crying, pouting, going to the house, run, because they're upset about some kind of thing or another. And, yeah, you know what, that's kind of what kids do sometimes. They quit. God is looking for some mature Christians. I'm not talking about age either. Mature Christians who are going to stop taking their ball and going home every time something gets a little difficult and are willing to stay in the fight no matter what's going on. I'm calling you out. God's calling you out in this series to say, hey, push past the discouragement and do something to be an influencer. Live for God. Folks, when you feel discouragement, you need to know that's a warning light. 
It's on the dashboard of your life. And what is that warning light telling you when you start to get discouraged? That, you know what, you've, you've lost your eternal perspective. It's slipping. You stop focusing on the bigger picture. There's, there's a narrowing of the vision, and we gotta watch out because that will take hold, and all of a sudden we'll find ourselves, like so many Christians do, kind of moved away from the big picture and start back into sort of the everyday chaos of life. When you live in that bigger picture, though there are difficult things going on, you begin to remember that bigger picture that the last chapter really hasn't been, been resolved yet. That God's going to call it all in, call in all the chips at one time. It's going to happen. He's going to even the odds. He's going to settle the score. He's going to bring down justice. He's going to separate right from wrong. He's got it all figured out. And when you trust that, it pushes past the discouragement and allows you to live with right perspective and eternal focus. Have you forgotten the big picture? Are you living in the moment? Galatians 6, 9, let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not get discouraged and give up. Be patient. God's in control. Stay on the path. There's always somebody might say, and this is probably a valid question, well, Pastor Gary, if life is so short in the grand scheme of things, why even care about making a difference? If we're only going to be here for a little bit, and eternity is the bigger deal, then why even care about making a difference? That's why we're doing this series. Because eternity is at stake. And the gospel is critical, the good news for humanity. And we know what it is. And it's our responsibility to make sure that people manage the, where they're at now and know that God's there with them so that they can have an eternity with him, Matthew 5, 13, this famous scripture translation says it like this. It says, you're the world's seasoning. This is that salt of the earth. You make it tolerable. You're the world's light. Don't hide your light. Let your good deeds glow for all to see and they will praise God through you. He's like, you're the preservative. You're the... You're the thing that the earth needs. You know, we put salt on, on meats to, to preserve it. God says, you're, you're preserving the goodness of God here on, on the earth. We add salt to be flavor to, to things, to add flavor. God's saying, in a rotten world, you're bringing flavor. And so stay out there and stay focused and keep going and let that line, light shine. And I love what it says. It says, it doesn't say, I need you to go right now and just go talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus. Yes, that's important. We should talk about Jesus. But right here, he says, your light shines by your good deeds, by your actions. The actions are important. We don't do good deeds to have a relationship with God, but we come to know Jesus. And those good deeds make a difference in a dark world. Your light in this situation is not about what you say, it's what you do. And so many Christians are sitting around listening to podcasts today. Why you listen to this podcast? You listen to this podcast. And those can be great. But so many of them, that's all they're doing. They got a cross around their neck or a fish, and that's great. But what good deed are you involved in for the gospel and being an influencer? You got a nice little Jesus bumper sticker on your car. Great, but what are you doing for the gospel? You sign petitions. Maybe you want to march in a march, but what good deed are you doing for somebody? I hear people say, oh man, America's in bad shape and it, we, it's going to hell in a handbasket. 
God needs to save America. God, God, America, America, God. And we have a great country, but you know what God cares more about than America? Americans, humans. Humans who are hurting and broken, and it's our job to be a part of that. Let me ask you, would you reconsider just one thing if you're not in, involved even in letting your light shine here at church, in the work of the church, which God calls all believers to connect with and be a part of, would you consider helping us kind of get this ball moving in our community by serving if you're not serving. We have a really cool event coming up Easter. And look, kids are going to be out in the field hunting down the eggs, and they're going to be having such a great time. And we just we need about 60 people throughout all of our services to manage those eggs. And, and maybe you're not currently serving. Would you help us there? Would you decide to step in some other area and help us serve? Next week, we're having a boot camp. And what is boot camp? It's where we take an hour. It'd be actually perfect for you. It's after this service. It's at 11.15 in the cafe. They have that slide. I don't know if they already put it up. But put that slide up. At boot camp at 11.15 in the cafe. And if you'll join us there, we'll give you a little bit of time to share with you about our church, maybe about an hour, and then we'll share with you some of the things, the teams that we have, and then give you an opportunity to, to, to sign up and start to serve or to sign up for the egg drop. If you will, let us know on the back of your Connect card, there's a place that says, hey, I'm going to attend boot camp next week. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to start letting my good deeds shine and glow for you, God. And you can just check that, drop it in the buckets when the buckets pass and say, I'm going to take a step. That's one of the beautiful things about a church is we have these regular serving opportunities to make sure we're constantly in position to let our light shine and our good deeds show for our community. What is the hope for our family? What is the hope for our culture? What is the hope for our community? Sadly, I think so many people are hoping that hope will come through the government, through political leaders. Folks, I am here. <laughs> I hope you understand there is not ever going to be any hope found in Joe Biden or Donald Trump. There is no hope for this world found in Republicans or Democrats. Folks, the hope for this world is not who's in the White House, it's who went to the cross. That's what it says in Matthew 12, 21. The name, it is in the name of Jesus, there shall be hope for all of the world. The need of our society is not another politician. The need for our society is the hope of Jesus Christ. If I had thought I could change, be a part of changing the human heart and culture through politics, I would have been a politician. But I wanted to be a pastor because I understood that the human condition, the human heart needed radical transformation. In this series, I hope that you'll look at you to be the influencer. to discover the areas he's calling you out to in your life. Let me pray for you and then just hold tight if you would. I have something to share. Let, let's um, pray, Lord, right now. We pray together, God, that you are revealing uh, maybe a little bit of conviction for the, for the believer here. I hadn't taken a step in a while. And maybe just by what I've shared, they would admit that the way they're living their life is um, it's not difference-making. It looks very much like the world. God, you're calling some Christians out to live differently, to have that eternal perspective, that eternal focus, to live, start living obedient, faithfully for you in this world. God, we're praying for those right now who are discouraged. I pray for those who are discouraged. God, give them a renewed, fresh wind of strength for their, for their life. And then, of course, Lord, I come to you and pray uh, right now that there maybe you'd stir the heart of somebody who, who's... Uh, <laughs> 
was in that very situation that that God looks at and says, "Man, I don't want them living that way. They're they're living, they're living, they're going through the wide road, and it leads to destruction. They're making choices that go against God, and they've never." turn to the heavenly father there's people right here in this room who've never just fully surrendered and said lord i i'm ready to be forgiven of my sin god i I, i'm ready for for a life change the bible says that change comes not by anything you're going to do but why but by what jesus did on the cross he shed blood on the cross as required by god pure blood for the forgiveness of sin and that for all who trust believe in the name of Jesus Christ, their sin could be forgiven, washed, cleansed, and have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Forgiven people have a relationship with God. Would you just surrender to him right now where you're seated? Say, God, wash me, cleanse me. I'm ready. I believe in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm ready to live a journey with you, God, to be a difference maker, not be one of the same group going down the same road. God, I'm ready to learn what the life of God and the life living for God is for me. I begin that today in Jesus' name. Amen.